Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. When life throws us a curveball such as a job loss, the death of a loved one, an aging parent, or something like a global pandemic, how do marriages survive? Trying times are precisely when too many couples find themselves driven apart. Today we're joined by Carol and Jean Kent, as well as Cindy and David Lambert. They're co-authors of a new book called Staying Power. They'll share with us their stories and methods that have helped them through the toughest parts of their marriages using real-life examples. That's today on Connections. Today we're joined by Carol and Jean Kent, as well as Cindy and David Lambert. They're co-authors of a new book called Staying Power. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about this new book? Carol, why don't you answer that? (laughs) Staying Power is a book about marriage. And uh, we, along with our co-authors, David and Cindy Lambert, got together and said, you know, there are a whole lot of books that deal with the bad choices people who are in a marriage make and how devastating that is and how people can overcome those challenges. But I really don't know of a book that really addresses what happens when you have a pretty good marriage and then something from the outside comes in and all of a sudden you're in a new kind of normal and you need to learn how to make right choices in the middle of a difficult time. And so this book addresses those types of things that might deal with the challenges of dealing with financial crises, in our case, a child who's incarcerated. It might deal with a family that has a child with a disability, or there might be uh, COVID-19, which we're all dealing with. And Dave and Cindy, why don't you add to that? Well, I was just thinking that uh, in, in so many of the marriages books, marriage books that are out there and, then, and that we've seen, uh, the the problems that are addressed are often problems that emerge from within the marriage. Like if you think of of Dobson's book, Love Must Be Tough, you know, it really addresses more what happens when one of the marriage partners fail uh, through through infidelity or or uh, alcoholism or some other related problem. You know, we specifically, as Carol mentioned in this book, wanted to address those problems that that come from outside the marriage. And right now, as you as you had mentioned, um, COVID nineteen is huge, and it's affecting a lot of marriages because there's now people that are stuck at home. This is one of the problems they're stuck at home, and then now they're really learning to get to know their spouse because they haven't had that time because we're busy nowadays. There's there's no time to sit and actually enjoy your spouse, or it's something that's scary. There's job loss, um, someone's sick. It's it's confusing people. Tell us how this book will help people that are in situations like that. Cindy, go right ahead. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, you know, one thing that, uh, that we talk about is the fact that when we hit a crisis of some sort, um, marriages seem to go in one of two directions. Either they are weakened um, through that crisis, or they can grow stronger through the crisis. And so staying power really is about how do you face a crisis in such a way that your marriage grows stronger as a result instead of being weakened as a result. And so each chapter unpacks some aspect of ways that you as a couple can choose to grow stronger in the midst of it. It's really about seeing crisis as an opportunity for growth for your marriage. And a lot of it is based on true stories. And Carol, I know you were mentioning earlier about um, your son who was incarcerated. How did you two manage to get through all of that? 
Well, we had been married for many years and had an adult son who married a previously married woman with two little girls, and there were multiple allegations of abuse involving the biological father, and it appeared he was going to get unsupervised visitation. And we saw our son unravel mentally, emotionally, and spiritually when he realized the biological father of his stepdaughters was about to get unsupervised visitation. And we got a middle-of-the-night phone call telling us our son had been arrested for the murder of his wife's first husband. And we went into a spiral emotionally. And we previously had been firstborn multitaskers, and suddenly we realized we could hardly hold one thought in our heads at, at one time. And it was a very difficult time. We went through two and a half years and seven postponements of the trial before our son was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. So we began to decide, were we going to let uh, our issues of anger with each other fester into something that would pull us apart, or were we going to start making right choices? And uh, we just began to brainstorm with the Lamberts about what are the ways we can make decisions in a marriage that will help us to grow stronger instead of weaker. And I'm going to throw this back to the Lamberts after <laughs> I, I give you one example because they have uh, techniques they use for these predecisions as well. And one of mine was, I will serve my spouse sacrificially. And my husband was really better at that than I was. And Jean, <laughs> what do you bring me every morning? Uh, yes, for me, um, most of the years of our marriage, and especially ever since the uh, story that Carol went over with the, with the trial with our son, is I make the coffee the night before, and every morning I go get her a cup of coffee, bring it into the bedroom, and um, we just have our, I bring my coffee too, and we have our time together just uh, talking about the day's activities, what happened the day before. And in this COVID season, where here, uh, you know, we're stuck, together more than ever, and Carol and I are quite used to that, and I think the Lamberts are quite used to that, too, is they're with each other almost 24 hours a day, as are we, and, you know, sometimes we as men are not great at uh, being patient, and sometimes my, you know, I get a little upset or something, and so then I, I have to confess, I have to ask for forgiveness, you know, it's just another example of what, of what needs to take place in a marriage, and I'm sure lots of COVID families are, who are dealing with that today that the, the husbands really need to look at asking for forgiveness. Well, I, I find that when we serve each other in a sacrificial way, in Jean's case with the coffee and just a, a nonverbal touch sometime, sometimes that is saying more than a whole lot of words ever can. One that I really appreciate so much is to practice, to make the decision that we're going to practice automatic forgiveness. Um, and that means we recognize that when we're in the midst of a crisis, we're usually not operating at our best. Uh, we might say thoughtless things, uh, do something that, that we know is going to trigger the other person. And when you've made the pre-decision that says, you know what, no matter in what way my spouse seems to have just offended me, I'm going to automatically forgive them. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because we're in this together. 
And that really means um, recognizing that this is my life mate, the, the, the partner of my life, and I'm going to assume the best and automatically forgive. Another great uh, predecision is that, uh, uh, that I will not expect my spouse to read my mind. <laughs> so many of us have, when we have needs, we sort of make it a test of our spouse. I'm not going to tell my spouse what my need is. I'm going to expect them to know me well enough and love me enough that they'll figure it out on their own. And one of the things I really value about Cindy is she's, she's not that way at all. When there's something that she needs, uh, she, she lets me know. Tell uh, exactly what that, exactly what that uh, need is. And, and yet so many spouses. Uh, so many marriages have real difficulty in that area because they expect each other to read their mind, and they make it a test. If you loved me enough, you would know exactly what it is I need, even though I'm not going to tell you. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's a great predecision to not expect your spouse to read your mind, but instead tell them exactly what it is you feel you need. Can you explain how important forgiveness is and why it's so hard for some couples? I wanted to jump in, too, on what Cindy mentioned about uh, forgiving each other quickly. And when we make that decision to be unoffendable with each other, even when words come out that might be in a tone that the other spouse finds a little irritating or a little <laughs> uh, condemning, if we come from that bottom line of knowing we love each other, we know we're facing a crisis, we want to get through this, and we want to honor God in the process of getting through this, then we start to establish that pattern of choosing to be unoffendable because we know that our spouse's heart toward us is good, even if what came out of their mouths moments ago didn't feel all that good. Earlier you mentioned something about making the next right choice. Can you share with us what it means to make that next right choice? We use many of the principles in, in doing this that, uh, even when we talked about predecisions a, a moment ago, using some of the principles that Claire de Graff brought up in his book, uh, the, the 10-second rule. Uh, basically, the, uh, the idea being that uh, the 10-second rule, as Claire expressed it, is just do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do and commit to it immediately in the next 10 seconds before you change your mind. That's where pre-decisions come in. If you're going to make your mind up in 10 seconds, it helps to have a lot of decisions already made. And uh, you know, when, when things get really confused, when there's a crisis in the marriage, the kind of crisis that we're talking about in this book, sometimes there's so many things coming at you that you know, it, it's hard to generate some kind of an action plan for the next three months, because there's so many decisions that need to be made, and the, dip, the, the, the issues are so difficult. So that's where that, that concept of just make the next right choice comes from. You can't make all those choices. You don't have the, the perspective yet. But what you can do, especially if you have some pre-decisions made, like we were just talking about, is make the next right choice. Uh, just look at what the next choice is you need to make. Concentrate on that one and make the next right choice. 
It's been such a great conversation today with Carol and Jean Kent, as well as Cindy and Dave Lambert, about how to keep your marriage strong even in the midst of chaos, especially in times like today where we're dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. We've learned so much from them today, and they have so much more to share with us. Join us again tomorrow for part two of this conversation with the Kents and the Lamberts.